Hey, welcome to How to Write a Novel. So I'm already getting an opportunity to utilize my newfound uh, awareness of my own fucking level of awakenedness. Where I woke up today, and uh, obviously these podcasts come out a day after the events that have transpired, so it's a Sunday. So on the weekend, uh, the transit is all one price across Vancouver. There's no zones where it's more expensive to go. So I was like, you know what, today maybe I'll go to that place, White Rock. Go explore it a bit more, go see those cliffs and shit. But then I was like, wait a second though, I've just woken up and I feel fine because that's usually how it is when I first wake up. But let's do a little catalog of uh, my sleeping was a little up and down yesterday, which uh, I can verify by the fact that I was aware at 3 a.m. yesterday, (laughs) even if it wasn't for long. If you're in a state of awareness when 3 a.m. happens, no matter what the reason, that's probably a bad sign for the next day. And also, I woke up because it was uh, Sunday house cleaning time. Fucking, it really, I thought it was like a fucking power saw or something in the next room. It was so loud. Turns out it was just a vacuum cleaner, but man. I've always had pretty sensitive hearing, but it's only getting more so in my old age. So man, vacuum cleaners, holy fuck. The thing that really kills me on a day-to-day basis are hand dryers. I feel like I'm in an airplane hangar when a a hand dryer goes off. It's so loud. And it's like, why? Just so your hands can be a little dry? (laughs) I mean, it's a great example of how obviously other people's ears are not sensitive in that way because they just wouldn't do it. Like, it rattles my head. I hate it so much. I'm like, you can't have wet hands for 30 seconds. They'll just dry out on their own. You don't need to fucking blast everyone's brain so you can dry your precious little hands. So yeah, I didn't wake up uh, quite when I naturally would have woken up. So those things combined, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Maybe let's not go on a two-hour trip to the middle of fucking nowhere and then need a two-hour trip to get back. Because I think I'm okay now, but I probably won't be later. And man, did I call it. Oh, shit. (laughs) Within a couple hours later, you know, I stayed more or less local. And it's like, oh, God. Oh, I'm so tired. Oh, what a bad day. (laughs) So, yeah, that's handy. I'm already learning things about myself through this podcast. So I did manage to eke out some writing. But uh, as I constantly say, I don't like to force it. The word that keeps coming back to me is just rote. I wish I had a different word, but I feel like rote really just sums it up, just describes it. It's just that feeling of like, you don't want to push, you don't want to write something that you're not into, that you're not feeling. Because if you ain't feeling it, no one else is gonna either. So I just wrote a little bit today, just a little bit that I already had on my mind. Did it kind of uh, point form-ish, point form style. But yeah, night and day from yesterday. Yesterday I had such an awesome day where I went to this blends coffee which is just a bc coffee place maybe there's some in alberta now but i went to the one on robson street and uh, i used to work at the one at davy and granville and they got this thing the matcha latte that's you know just matcha green tea that was like 200 dollars for a tiny little packet of this stuff like they don't fuck around this is the real deal matcha bullshit so it's kind of an expensive drink and i usually only got it when i worked there because it's also kind of bitter and slightly gross, so I sure don't want to pay for it. But last night, just uh, for nostalgia's sake, I got one. And, oh man, it was just like the perfect how you want writing to be every day, where 
just sitting there having vague memories of the past through this weird drink and I wrote a ton of stuff yesterday. So maybe today wasn't so hot, but yesterday was real good and uh, you know, I'm keeping the chain going, just keeping the things going. So rather than ramble on today because I'm just exhausted, a weird feeling, there is something that I want to talk about. So tomorrow I will discuss about uh, the idea of writing from inspiration or the idea of writing more as an intellectual exercise and not letting the need for inspiration get in your way. I think both sides are kind of interesting and uh, I like to blab about them. I got some examples and shit. But before we get to that, to set the groundwork for tomorrow, there's a little thing I want to play today. This is uh, something I heard last year that really stuck with me. I don't know if uh, whoever you might be out there, if you ever played the card game Magic the Gathering. I used to play it a lot back in the 90s. I worked at a comic shop and I could get cards for free and uh, it was fun, fun game. But I kind of fell out of it. But uh, I started listening to this podcast that Mark Rosewater does, who's like the lead designer of Magic. And one of the episodes he was talking about the colors. So the way that the color system works in Magic is there's five colors. White, blue, black, red, and green. And if you like bring up an image of the, uh, like the back of a Magic card, the way the colors are arranged. It's really cool because the complementary colors are friends. Like whatever color you're describing, the one on either side is like an ally of that color, but then the two colors across from that color are its enemies. And it's amazing how well that works and how well that all weaves together. Not just in that game, but just as a way to think about people. Like it's way better than just a black or white, you know, good or bad way. And then people have their Migs, Briar, whatever the fuck, <laughs> you know, different personality systems. Here's the 16 personality types. And that's way too abstract and way too many. And I just find I can't wrap my head around that. That's not very useful. Where the magic card one is really good, just the five colors. And it was kind of a revelation to me where I'm like, oh, I always kind of thought of myself as black. But really, if you sidestep black a little and go to red, that makes a lot more sense. I'm like, oh shit, no wonder I don't get along with other people <laughs> that fit in this one sphere. I'm not quite like them. We're sort of unified. We have common enemies. We have common we have commonalities between us, but I'm not quite them. I'm more this. And it was just neat and uh, just interesting too to see sort of uh, alternative mindsets and alternative personality types presented as uh, valid, you know, as a valid part of the spectrum. That you don't have to be black or white. You might be green, you might be blue, you might be red. And those all fit in and that's all perfectly applicable. So uh, I think it's a neat thing. I think it could be useful in a writing sense just, uh, I don't know, for developing characters and stuff. Although I never really, I'm not that type of person. Like when people talk about developing a character and a uh, character bible and oh this is uh, this, this character is this type of person, whatever. That's just not how I work. That's not how I write. Like I never think of characters I find all of that just too narrow and way too limiting. 
I just think of the character as the character. Like, just imagine you're that person. What would that person do? Like, to me, it's just really limiting to think like, oh, he would probably do this because he's this type. He'd probably do that because he's that type. That's really not how I like writing. It's much easier and better for me, I find, to just... People are way too complex for that. (laughs) Which is ironic that I'm saying that about characters in a story, because what I actually find the five colors of this little magic wheel useful for is actual people. (laughs) It's like trying to understand actual people in my life. Which sounds counterintuitive, like I'm putting them in a little box that, you know, maybe looking at them in too narrow of a way, but I really do find sometimes if I just get stuck at loggerheads with somebody and I'm like, I just don't understand why you're acting like this. I don't understand why you are like that. I don't understand why I can't get along with you. It helps sometimes to be like, oh, you're this. You might even be a weird combination. You might be white and black. And that's why you're so fucking crazy. <laughs> you know? I don't know. To me, it was very interesting. So uh, let's just finish off the episode with that. This is a talk by Mark Rosewater where he describes the five colors of magic, but then specifically how they are in conflict with one another. He has different talks, like let's just discuss each color. Here's how the colors get along. They all cover similar territory, and I think this is the best one. Just when he talks about how the colors fall into conflict with each other, it just seems like the clearest way of describing what these colors stand for and what they mean. And just these these five different views of reality, these five different views of society and of the human experience and what it means and what we're all here for. And I think it's really cool. So uh, if you would, give this a little listen and then we will continue to talk about this tomorrow. All right, and uh, I will see you then. Until then, your new host, Mark Rosewater. Okay, so today is one of my favorite topics. I wrote an article called Pie Fights, where I talked about the, uh, the conflicts of the colors in the color pie. And I love talking color pie. So today, today's about conflict. So I'm gonna talk about the five basic conflicts. And so I, A, we'll talk about what they are, and B, talk about how they actually connect. The one of the things I find really neat is when you look at how the color fights its two enemies, the conflict that a single color has with each of the two enemies is related. And it's all very interconnected. Quickly recap, let me talk about what the five colors want, just to put the context here. White. White wants peace. White looks around and said, look, if everybody had what they needed, we have the resources that everybody can have what they need, that everybody can be happy, that we can live in a world where there's no conflict, where there's no suffering, that we have the tools to live in a utopia. We just need to do that. Part of doing that is creating a structure to make sure that people are thinking of the good of the group over the good of the individual. And so white is all about figuring out and finding out the ways by which we can be a better people and that we can create systems, we can create laws, we can create moral guidance, we can do things so that people are living correctly and making sure that everybody can be happy. Okay, blue, blue seeks perfection. Blue believes that everybody is born a blank slate and they have the ability to become whatever they want with the right experience and teaching and tools that people can become whatever they choose to be. Blue wants to use knowledge to have people learn things and through the knowledge understand what they are capable of and transform themselves into the best version of themselves that they can be. And so Blue really wants people to each 
figure out what is the ultimate thing and then become that thing. Black, black wants power. Black believes that the world is a greedy place. Not that black made it greedy, it inherently is greedy. And that the key to happiness in life is being able to do the things you want to do. And that is power. Power is the thing that allows you to do the things that you want to do in place of others. Because people each have their own personal thing that they want. Because people look out after themselves. People are inherently selfish. That's not a bad thing. Like, who better to think about you than you? And black is like, look, that's just the way the world is. People are the way they are. We need to work within that structure so that we can be, you know, if we want to find happiness, we have to create our own happiness. We have to be willing to take the opportunities to do that. Black very much believes in that each person, it's up to them to define what their life is, that you have within your control, that you need to grasp the power possible, take the opportunities, do the things you need to do to make sure that you have a happy life. Red, red wants freedom. Red looks deep in its heart and it says, I know what I need to do. I'm constantly reminded, my emotions, my impulses tell me what I want. And Red wants to live a life that's happy, that follows its heart, that is doing what it wants to do. And so to do that, Red has to make sure that it's not, there aren't things in its way that's preventing it from living its life the way it wants to live it. And Red wants to be free to follow its heart and find its passion. Green, Green wants growth. Green believes that everybody else is looking to change the world, where Green says, you know what, we need to accept the world the way it is. We need to realize that the perfect system is already here. And all we need to do to find happiness is accept that fact, is accept that there is a perfect way and accept what that way is, is how we should embrace it. It embraces nature and the natural order. And then Green is like, look, if everybody can accept how this is and just let nature do its thing, just let nature be, let the world grow, things would be at its best. So, okay, we have five colors. They each want different things. One of the neat things is if you look at the back of a magic card, the colors go in an order. White, blue, black, red, green. And the idea is each color is next to its two allies. So white, its allies are blue and green. Blue's allies are white and black. Black's allies are blue and red. Red's allies are black and green. Green's allies are red and white. So every color has two allies. And the two colors that aren't its allies are its enemies. Then inherently there is a conflict between the two colors opposite it. So what I'm going to do today is talk about the key of what those conflicts are, how the colors see them, and then talk about how they connect when you get to sort of looking at the conflicts next to each other. Okay, so let's start with white-black. So white-black is about the good of the group versus the good of the individual. White on one side says, you know what? You know what's the most important thing? That we all get along, that everybody is the best that they can be. And to do that, we have to make decisions based on what the group needs. If you make selfish decisions, people get hurt. If everybody can make the right decision that's good for the group, in the end, everybody will be the best they can be. Black, on the other hand, says, whoa, 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 whoa. My responsibility is not looking out for others. My responsibility is looking out for myself. Who better to understand what I need than me? And in the system that black wants, black wants to give everybody opportunity. Black wants a merit-based system where anybody has the ability to get what they want through their own hard work. But black believes that the reason you gain something is not because it's given to you. Black does not believe in coddling people. Black believes in merit. Black believes in you earn what you have. And so black wants everybody to have opportunity, but then it's up to the person to achieve that. So when white meets black, white looks at black and says, oh, this is good versus evil. 
one of the things that talks about morality is the idea of are you doing harm or are you doing good? And that if you are not helping making things better, you are harming things. And white is like, I'm trying to create a system by which we enable everybody, we protect everybody. Yes, we do have to help the meek. We do have to help the ones that don't have things. They're the ones that most need our help. The system, they're dying under the system. They're losing under the system. And that we have what we need for everybody to have something. So when you are looking out for yourself and not others, you are being selfish. You are being immoral. You are doing something that is breaking the moral code. So white looks at black and says, look, what you are saying is, it's just a moral issue to white. You know, what I am saying is good. My moral laws tell me that what I'm doing is good and what you are doing is evil. Black looks at it and black says, no. What's going on here is I'm trying to encourage people. It's encouragement versus coddling. I am trying to strengthen people. How do you strengthen people? Not by giving them the things they need, but by making them earn things. That when you say to somebody, you have the potential to do with anything, you have opportunity, you have the ability to earn what you need to earn, but you have to do it yourself. You have to find the strength to do it. And what Black says is, if you don't reward people, if you don't, how do you train them? That if you just give people things, what's the incentive? Why would anybody ever try to do anything? That if you just say to people, hey, weakness is okay, then people will be weak. But if you say, look, there's a brass ring, there's things you can get, you can encourage people to do their best. Now, the reality is there will always be weak. Why support the weak? Why push the weak? That doesn't help the greater system. It doesn't help society if the weak are encouraged. You know, if you encourage strength, if you encourage merit, the cream rises to the top. Why are we creating a system where we reward mediocrity? Who are you supposed to be looking out for? It's very easy sometimes to look at the conflict through one of the color's eyes. Like I know a lot of people want to think of it as good versus evil. But good versus evil is a very white way of looking at the conflict. A lot of people I know sometimes look at black and they sort of think like, oh, black's just, right, black's just evil. But no, no, no. The, a lot of the ideas of what black wants, like a lot of uh, the core, core of capitalism, the idea that anybody can become anything, a lot of black's idea is self-empowerment of the idea of the worthiness of the individual and the idea of creating opportunities for individual, of creating a system where we say, people have the ability to achieve something if they put the work into it. I know that black gets dispersed a lot, but this, this really is a different idea of how do you want to help people? Do you want to help people by making sure that everybody has the same thing? That's white's thing. White is like, look, people only need so much to survive. You don't need to give them extra. That if I give somebody more than they need and somebody else gets less than they need, that person is, they don't need more than they need. Everybody can have enough to have a happy life. Why are we creating a system where we somehow over reward one and punish somebody else? But on the flip side, black is sort of like, look, don't we need opportunity? Don't people thrive because you give them the chance to earn something? And that if you take away, you take away the drive. So anyway, that is white versus black. Blue versus red is head versus heart. Blue believes in the power of the intellect. Red believes in the power of emotion. Blue is like, look, you have the ability to become whatever you want to become, but to do so, you have to think carefully about things. You have to evaluate life. You have to think through every option. You need to sort of weigh things and be careful in making decisions. Because once you make a decision, if you're trying to reach your potential, be careful that you're making the right decision because the wrong decision can cut you off from your potential. And so blue is like, look, take your time, 
think things through, that your intellect is what's important. Red says, no, 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 no. The key to life is following your passions, is listening to your heart, is being spontaneous, is being in the moment. If you are constantly putting things off, you're not living life. You know, you're not being spontaneous. You're not grabbing the gusto of life. Blue looks at red and sees carefulness versus recklessness. Blue is like, look, I'm going to be very exact in what I do because there are ramifications for every action I take. And I need to think through the ramifications of what I do for if I don't, I can make the wrong decision. If I think things through, then every decision I make will be carefully planned and that I won't make mistakes or far less likely to make mistakes. And I can think about the ramifications of what I do. I can think through each decision and understand how it affects others. Red thinks of this as passion versus indifference. To live a life in which you never get to act. You know, red is about action. Blue is about thinking. Red is about doing. How do you find your passion? You go out and you try things. Will you make mistakes? Of course you'll make mistakes, but that's how you learn things. There's nothing wrong with mistakes. If you try something and it fails miserably, well, then you've learned something. And so red is very much about learning through doing, learning through action, learning through taking chances. I mean, red looks at blue and just sees overly cautious. It's like, well, if you're living in a little bubble, how are you ever going to learn anything? You, know, you got to get your hands dirty. You got to go do things. Red is all about experience. Red is all about lived life, about doing things. And that the conflict between blue and red is really about how to live one's life. What is important? All these conflicts are pretty basic conflicts. They go into the core of humanity. That if you look at stories, these are just the conflicts that we've told stories about since the beginning of time. The idea of, do I want to be intellectual? Do I want to sort of think things through? Is being emotional reckless? Or is being intellectual cold? And each side sees very different things. Okay, let's get to the black-green conflict. Black-green is free will versus destiny. So... Black believes in opportunity. Black believes that you, an individual, have control over what you do. And that one of the keys to life is taking control of things, is not being told by others that you can't do something. Black is all about self-empowerment, of realizing that you are capable of more than you understand. And that part of realizing this is finding opportunity and capitalizing on that opportunity. Green, meanwhile, believes that you were born to a path, that you are part of a system, that you are part of the web of life, and that the key to happiness is understanding what role you play and then playing that role. You were born into a system. You were born into a role, and that you have to understand what it is that you're supposed to do. What is your place in the web? That if you think about the animal kingdom, you know, there's an ecosystem, and that each element in the ecosystem plays a role in that ecosystem. And then if you disrupt the ecosystem, you throw everything out of balance. Black looks at this and thinks of it as opportunity versus superstition. Black is like, I can be what I want to be. No one can tell me. I'm not, I wasn't forced into something without any knowledge. I was not like, well, you were born, so this is what you have to do. Black rejects that. Black is like, no, I can do whatever I want to do. I have the opportunity to become whatever I want to become. I just have to seize those opportunities to do that. If I want to do something, no one can tell me I can't do that. That's not my place. That's not my role in the social web or whatever. Black's like, no. If I need to do something, I can do it. I need to take action. That too much, I'm told what I can't do. I'm told what I'm not supposed to do. And that Black's about finding opportunity and not being restricted by what, you know, by what others tell you. Don't take on restrictions of others. Don't have other people tell you what you're capable of. 
But Green looks at this as truth versus skepticism. Green is like, look, the world is the way it is, and you are part of a system. You can ignore that you're part of a system. You can pretend as if the interconnectivity of the world doesn't exist. You can just ignore your role in the ecosystem. But when you do that, you're disrupting things. And not just yourself, you're disrupting other things. That if I go and I take steps, if I kill something when it's not supposed to be killed, if I go out and I kill all of a certain animal, if I kill, let's say I go hunting and I just kill all of a predator, well then I'm throwing that ecosystem off balance. Maybe those predators have to exist for a reason. Maybe if they don't, the prey will get overpopulated and cause problems and cause an imbalance in the system. That the system works, nature works. That when you gum it up, when you think you're better than nature, when you try to take it on yourself to choose what you want, you cause great harm. So the black-green conflict has to do with the role you live in life. What are you supposed to be doing? Is it predetermined? Are you born into a role? Is it something you're supposed to be doing? Is your path in life predetermined? Or, no, do you have the ability to choose where you go? Don't let others tell you what you have to do. Don't let others dictate what role you need to play. So that is a black-green conflict. Okay, red-white is freedom versus security. So red is like, look, you need freedom you need to let people have the ability to find their own passion. That a world in which everybody can find their passion is a wonderful world. It's a world where people not are just excited, but are energetic. That the best thing in the world is for somebody to find their passion and live their passion. And that interacting with a world where everybody's found their passion, where everybody's doing the thing that they want to do, is a beautiful world, it's a happy world. But White says, no, 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 no. There's a reason that rules exist. There's a reason that you have to restrict things. Because people left to their own regard will do horrible things. That people will follow their impulses destructively. That if you don't have rules set in motion, people will kill other people. People will harm other people. That the reason that rules exist, the reason that laws exist, is to protect people. It's freedom versus security. If we can do something that forces people, that forces their hand, but hey, as a society, it's just better for us. Isn't that make sense? Shouldn't laws exist to protect people on whole? So Red looks at this and sees it as democracy versus fascism. Should I be able to do what I want to do? Or is somebody telling me what I have to do? And that Red says, look, this is dangerous. Somebody else telling me what is in my own best interest. Shouldn't I decide what I want to do? Shouldn't I have the freedom to make choices about what is right for me? Who are others that aren't me telling me what I need to do? Now, White looks at this and sees order versus chaos. If we don't have things in an orderly system, that is anarchy. If anybody can do anything they want at any time, who's to say that a lot of harm won't come about? One of the things that keeps society civilized is that we have rules, is that we have laws, is that people just can't follow any impulse they have. That is dangerous, and that to do that is dangerous. Our final conflict is green versus blue, nature versus nurture. So the idea here is green is like who you are as a person comes from your genetics. You were born with certain qualities. You were born with certain traits. And that defines who you are. So much has to do with your genetics. How long you live and what things you're likely to do. Just elements about you and who you're going to be attracted to. And it's all these things that are really built in to your biology, into your genes. And green is like, let's just acknowledge that, that we are who we were born to be, that we are as a person the elements of the things that make us up. Blue says, no, 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 no. Anybody can become anything. That yes, you are born with certain traits and qualities, and maybe that pushes people in certain directions, but you're not beholden to that. That just because you're somebody who 
might not have the natural qualities. That's why we have tools. That's why we have education. That's why people can experience things and grow. Just because you might not naturally be good at something doesn't mean you can't learn to be good at it. It's not like everybody naturally has to have some natural system that they know. Maybe what happens is that people can learn to do something. That it's not like the only piano players are people that naturally can play the piano. You can learn to play the piano. And that the best of something might not be the person that necessarily has the base raw skills for it, but they can learn through practice and experience. Now, Green looks at this and sees this as acceptance versus denial. Green's like, look, you are what you are. You can pretend you're not. You can pretend you don't have your genes, that you don't have your biology, that your parents weren't your parents. You can ignore that, or you can say, you know what? I have natural qualities. Let me follow what I naturally do. That if I'm someone who inherently has rhythm, maybe I will be a better piano player. Maybe that's the person who plays the piano. Maybe if I don't have that, maybe if I struggle, maybe that's just not for me. Why am I trying to embrace something that inherently I'm not? So Blue looks at this and looks at it as an opportunity versus stagnation. Blue's like, if you can only be what your genes say that you are, you are so limited in your possibilities. Who's to tell me what I am? I'm not locked in just because I was born with something. That doesn't lock me in. So Blue versus Green has this fight. It talks about who you are and what makes you you. Okay, so now what I want to do is take all the colors and talk about how the conflict that the color has with one color is very much the same conflict it has with the other. So we'll start with white. White wants peace. White wants everybody to be happy. White wants to live in a world where everybody can have what they need. Not what they want, what they need. White is trying to create peace through order. So there's two things that cause white problems. One is the idea that people can be selfish, that people can prioritize their own needs over the needs of the group, or people can be reckless. People can hurt the group in that they are making decisions. I mean, on some level, white sees it both as an issue of selfishness across the board. The white looks at black and sees someone that doesn't respect its moral codes, that says, you are willing to do things that are wrong that I have a system, there's a system set up, there's moral imperatives, that there is good, there is evil, and you are just taking the path of evil. And white looks at red and says, you are being reckless. You are making decisions without thinking of the ramifications of your decisions on other people. White wants to create a perfect system, and what white doesn't want is a system that breaks down. Well, its two enemies are the ones that are breaking down that system. When you talk about the good of the individuals versus the good of the group, or freedom versus security, that's basically the same issue for white. White is like, I'm looking out for what's good for the most number of people. That the conflict white has with black and the conflict that white has with red is the same conflict. White wants to do what is good for the group. White wants to do what protects the most people. Every decision we make should be about what advances everybody as a whole. And the two colors that don't do that are black and red. Okay, let's go to blue. Blue wants perfection. It seeks it through knowledge. What are the things in the way of it getting perfection? One is short-sightedness of people sort of getting distracted by impulses. You have to make careful decisions. And one of the ways to ruin things is by not making careful decisions, is by being impulsive and doing things that cut off opportunities from you because you don't think them through. And Blue looks at Green and says, you deny the premise of my, you know, you can be whatever you want to be. And Green goes, no, you can't. So Blue is like, I want to perfect myself. 
and one way is leading me astray by not thinking it through, and the other way is denying the premise that you have the ability to change yourself. One is against thought, and the other is against change. That's at the core of what blue wants. Blue's conflicts with red and green really aren't that different from each other. Blue is trying to maximize its ability to be what it wants, to perfect itself. The two ways that keep you from doing that are represented by its two enemies, by red and green. Okay, black. Black wants power through opportunity. Black wants to do what it wants to do. Black understands that happiness is you being able to have the power to do the things you want to do. That we live in a harsh world. We live in a world that is going to restrict you unless you take the upper hand. In order to do that, in order to get what you want, you need to understand black is about self-empowerment. We live in a world that's, it's a rough world. Everybody can't have everything. That's just an illusion. But you know what? I should look out for me. And if everybody looks out for themselves, then there's somebody in their corner. There's somebody championing them. And what I want to do is, I want to create a world of opportunity where anybody has the ability to make something of themselves. It requires dedication, it requires work, it requires you putting the effort, but you know what? Why should the people that don't put in the effort get the same rewards as people that put in the effort? So black looks at its enemies, it looks at green, and it looks at white, and it says, are you allowing me the chance to achieve? Are you allowing me self-empowerment? And with white it goes, no, you prefer mediocrity. You prefer that instead of giving myself self-empowerment, that I'm supposed to make decisions for other people. I'm supposed to coddle the weak. Rather than reward merit, rather than reward people that are putting the work in, I'm supposed to just reward everybody. There is no merit. I'm supposed to deny merit. And black looks at green and says, you're saying that I don't even have the opportunity. In some ways, green denies. Blue wants to change themselves to become the best they can be. Green says you can't do that. Black wants to blaze a path where it does the things it wants to do to get the opportunities it wants. And Green says, yeah, that's not possible. And so Black says, okay, what keeps me from self-empowerment? What keeps me from being the best I can be? People that tell me that I'm not supposed to look up for myself or people that tell me that I don't have the ability to choose opportunity. And so Black looks at its enemies and says, you are trying to stop me from doing what I want to do. You are trying to stop me from my self-empowerment, from being the best that I can be. Red. He wants freedom through action. I want to do the things I want to do. I want to follow my passion. I want to live in a world where I am doing what speaks to me, that I'm able to live in the moment, to be spontaneous, to embrace who I am. And Red looks at his two enemies and says, okay, I just want to embrace the moment. And Blue says, don't do that. Blue won't let me do that. Blue wants to take away spontaneity. Blue wants to take away any sense of impulsiveness. Blue doesn't want me to be true to who I am. The blue doesn't want a warm world. Blue wants a cold world, an emotionless world. Blue wants to snuff out what's in my heart. And red looks at white and says, white doesn't want me to act out either because white is saying it's better for everybody that me acting the way I want to act has the potential to hurt people. And red's like, yeah, it does, it does. Both blue and white want to live in the sterile world where we maximize things not going wrong. And Red's like, you know what? That's not life. Things go wrong. But things going wrong is not a bad thing. You learn from things going wrong. And so Red looks at its two enemies and they're like, I want the ability to make mistakes. I want the ability to try things, to do things. And then white and blue go, no, no, no. You shouldn't have that opportunity. Okay, so green. Green looks at its two enemies. Green's enemies are blue and black. So Green is like, look, 
The world is perfect the way it is. Wind seeks growth through acceptance. It wants the world to continue to do what it's doing. And it wants everybody around it to let nature be nature, to let the world be the world. Green's problem is, is when other people step in and believe that they know better than the world. That they know better about themselves, they know better about their role. Unnatural change is problematic. Natural change is great. Things will evolve, things will change. But when you try to subvert that, when you try to take something that is not, to make somebody something they are not, if you don't respect the role that you are in, that you cause problems, you cause unhappiness. That if you take somebody that fundamentally has certain qualities and Blue tries to turn them into something else, they're not in the end going to be happy because they're not going to be true to who they are. You were born with certain qualities for a reason. There's nothing wrong with that. Don't be ashamed of that. Own up to who you are. Embrace who you are. Accept who you are. Blue wants you to deny that. Blue wants you to not own up to who you are as a person. And Black, Black won't accept your role, won't accept what place you have in the world. One of the things Green says is, look, you want to find happiness, accept who you are, accept your role in the world, accept the piece that you play. Happiness does not come from rejecting who you are. Happiness comes from accepting who you are. Green looks at its two enemies and says, they're in denial. They don't want you to be who you are. They propose lies that try to say that you can be something else. And that, that's not true. You are who you are. Accept who you are. And that when you fight that, when you fight that acceptance, you just create problems for yourself. So one of the things about today, hopefully as I walk through this, that you will see is a lot of times I talk about the colors in isolation. And one of the neat things is talking about the colors as they connect to one another. But the neat thing about the conflicts is that the conflicts, the conflicts are core to what is going on. That one of the neat things about the color pie is not that each color has its own identity, that is cool, but they fit in a system against each other. Who white is as a color, what white wants, is diametrically opposed to its two enemies. There is no way for white to live its life and do what it wants if red and black are allowed to live the life they want to live. That red being red causes white problems. That black being black causes white problems. And so white has to look at this and say, inherently in me getting what I want is me stopping these two forces, which are my enemies. And this is why this is important. You can imagine a world in which all the colors are like, well, I just believe my thing, okay. But it goes beyond that. This is when the neat thing about the color pie. The colors get into conflict with each other because what they want is opposed. White can coexist with green or blue, but white cannot get along with red and black. Now, people always ask me, by the way, that obviously we make red and white cards and white and black cards. How do we do that? And like, you know, in character, you can have duality. You can have characters that represent inherent conflict. That's okay. I mean, you can do neat characters. The idea that people don't have internal conflicts is just wrong. People are torn by things. People want things within themselves that contradict themselves. That is fine. There's nothing wrong with having conflict within people. And a lot of when we do colors also is there is overlap between the colors. Even the enemies, there's areas of common ground. But the neat thing today and the thing that I want people to understand is one of the cool things about the color pie is it's not just about the colors' philosophies in a vacuum. It's the idea that the colors' philosophies run into conflict with one another. And that is a really neat thing about it that white can't be white and live the life that white wants if red is red and lives the life red wants, or black is black and lives the life that black wants, that inherently they're gonna come into conflict.
the Kalapai does all sorts of great things for the game. It's the underlying structure for both the mechanics and the flavor. But more so than that, it lends an ethos. Each person embraces things. You can be a hero. You can be a villain. You can embrace something in a positive way, or you can embrace it in a negative way. And that's one of the neat things about these conflicts. There's no right or wrong in these conflicts. That's the great thing about it is you can give me any color in any conflict, and I can fight for that color. I like taking the colors and then talking about it from the perspective of the color. It's very easy to look at white versus black and go, oh, well, good versus evil. Okay, clearly white. But, you know, when I give the speech and I talk about self-empowerment and I talk about the idea of merit, people start going, whoa, 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 whoa. I mean, I like merit. Merit's good. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's very interesting that you can dig in and dig deep and go, wow, I get that side. And that's one of the things I'm hoping today is I want you to see that both sides have really valid arguments. That it's not as if one side is 100% correct. Each side has their point, and depending on who you are, I mean, I, I do think we as people will lean towards certain colors. That's the big thing about the color pie. The reason I love the color pie is not only is it the ethos of magic, the foundation of magic, it's just cool. It's cool. It's neat. And that today I just wanted to sort of talk about the conflicts and, and get you to see uh, part of the interactivity of the color pie. Um, like I said, it is, I, I will spend endless probably podcasts talking about it because it's a deep, deep, complex thing. And it's a really, really cool thing. And so I like to get as many people exposed to it as possible. So anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed uh, a different different facet or a different vantage point of the color pie. Uh, You're looking at conflicts, which is a little bit different. Like I said, I will do another podcast where I look at why people get along. Uh, Today was more about why they don't. But anyway, I'm now uh, driving up to my daughter's school. So we all know what that means. It means the end of a drive to work. So I will see you guys next time. Bye-bye. Took my breath away Moving slowly Through westward water Over glacial plains In a walked-off field